to Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. We're back yet again. Similar lineup to last week. You got me, James. We got Connor. You're back. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Hello. I'm I'm great. No one ever asked me how I am. I'm great, oh, Connor. Oh, Thanks. mate. I Thanks just for did. asking. Glad Thanks. you're all right. Are you okay? Also. Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Did I just did I just ask you that? Uh, yeah, I think you did. But anyway, yeah, I'm brilliant, especially after two great wins. Two great wins. I know it's so nice knowing that you've got a win, a win pod. Hashtag, oh. hashtag winning. It's much better. Much better. Um, speaking of much better, John. Whoa. Oh, when you... Stop <laughs> digging me. God, fuck. Jesus. Right, I I'll just leave now. I was wondering when you were so asked how I was. John, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I won't ask Connor how, how he is because I already know. So, uh, and I know exactly. how you are. Yeah. So, on we go. But yeah, warm and fuzzy after the results. Yeah. Very fuzzy. Fuzzy? Is that the Yeah, okay. Um, we're going to obviously be talking about Ipswich and Accrington today. Two victories. And then um, previewing Southend later on. And then we're kind of there about done. I, like, I make it sound like it's a short thing. We'll probably be three hours later and we're still just rambling along but that's kind of how we roll isn't it but this week we do have a new section and so john you're getting the special you're getting the special intro trevor mcdonald live and ready to go so we start this week with a managerial transfer centre, having left the old mm. signings transfer centre. So this week, and we'll we'll work through the story a bit, but the headline is Oxford United have formally confirmed they have politely declined, very nice, an approach from Blackpool uh, for Carl Robinson to take to become their new manager. Now this has accelerated rapidly. I think we'll all agree. Started earlier in the week. Well, back in the last week, um, as the odds tightened for KR being mentioned as one of the managerial candidates, Nathan asked him after the Blackpool game where he gave some interesting answers, which we'll touch on in a bit. And then that developed before the Accrington game and, of course, afterwards. Tigers issued quite a comprehensive statement, which I think is quite good. Um, he's made the points about it's inevitable that these sorts of managers get linked to new jobs when they're needed stated how important Carl is to the part of the club and moving forward, cleared up the issues and misunderstanding about the communication to KR about when the approach came in, talking about how they didn't want to disrupt the game uh, build-up beforehand, yeah. which I think made sense to me. Um, but I think the reason why we're going to start speculating is a lot of the comments that certainly KR made around the talk of it pre-Blackpool um, and post-Accrington I think some of them were quite quite interested, and I suppose we're thinking about: is he is this normal speculation that happens when a club needs a manager and the top performing managers get linked? Is the is it just miscommunication about the informing? Do we buy the statement, um, or is you know Tiger being tickled by KR a bit? Is this <laughs> part of the kind of creative tension, um, or is KR using it to sort of fuel his own pri- profile? So. What did you guys think about about it all? It's kind of put to bed to a degree, but there's there's obviously something going on underneath, or maybe there isn't. 
You asked like 28 questions then. I know. I was trying I just... to like remember what you were saying. <laughs> to Decipher be honest, which but... one to answer. <laughs> yeah. My, my only real thought on it is that it was weird how it all came out apparently before the club got a phone call, which is weird. Um, I don't understand why KR played kind of dumb to it yesterday. You know, he was kind of saying, I'm being honest. I don't know anything. It's like, come on. Got to know something about it. And then, yeah, it feels like he is playing the board and it's kind of riling some of the fan base back up again around the January window all over again. Oh, the board let, the, you know, KR down. They didn't back him. And that conversation or that discussion's kind of resurfaced again as a result of it. And it's just like, oh, for God's sake. But I do think it's weird that he didn't just kind of dismiss it and put it to bed because he could have just reduced. He might have said, well, I don't know much about that, but... I've got a clear focus and it's Oxford United, you know, if, if the if the chairman wants to talk to me about that or if, if there's an approach, then fair enough. But as I've said before, any you know, this is what, three weeks after KR sat, did a 10 minute long interview about saying this is the happiest he's been and the most settled, settled he's been in his career and all that stuff. I don't know. I just think it's all a bit, a bit something out of nothing really, but a bit of a weird one. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few there's a few mixed signals you can pick up from a lot of it. Um, I thought he must have been aware of him being in contention and the odds tightening. I mean, his his agent isn't doing his job if he doesn't mention that that's happened. And that was a few days before the Blackpool game. Um, yeah. I think he I think he got slightly caught out by the question for Nathan after the Blackpool game, and that probably exp- well maybe explained why some of his answers were a bit sort of. We have to be ambitious, don't we? And he, he sort of did and he didn't kind of be definitive about it. Admittedly, he had nothing to comment on, as in tangible things to comment. Um, but I think his the sort yeah. of communication with Tiger, I, I bought the whole, well, we didn't tell him about it because it was pre-game and, you know, you've got to have that focus, which I can, I can agree, agree that a bit. But I, I don't, I think there's definitely some subtle messaging going on from KR about continuing the investment. And I was wondering about this afternoon thinking, well, I think the board's been surprised at how much they've had to invest into the club. And mm. they're probably not too overly happy to hear, well, you need to keep investing, you need to keep spending more. But I think it's just, again, it's this creative tension that I talked about in the last pod that I think is quite well balanced between the board and KR's got two years left on his contract. So it's a bit early to start angling and playing manoeuvres uh, to a degree, but I don't know, Connor. You've always got a good take on these things. What do you reckon? I thought that um, KR might have been using it kind of as a little bit as a as a warning sign to the board in terms of the way he dealt with it initially when he was asked. And the only reason I say that is because, um, like you've just said, John, about um, the relationship with the board seems pretty good. But although KR does have a slight edge about him potentially because of the either investment or um, what happened at the end of the window. And that you might have used this as kind of a way of saying, look, I know full well that I'm doing a good job here and I will have interest from other clubs at some point. What are you going to do to make sure that I don't decide to take a trip somewhere else? And I don't mean that in terms of, you know, what what are the board going to you know, give him a new contract or, you know, up his wages or that sort of thing. I think it's more of a, you know, if you're not willing to work with me, on this project to the extent that I want to go, which K obviously wants to get promoted or wants to build us as a championship side, and you're not going to willing to do that in the next few years, then if a club 
that's worth his attention comes in for him that, that he's not going to think twice about it. So I think maybe he might have used it in in that sense, kind of a like a warning shot, perhaps just just the way he dealt with it in the media. I don't mean necessarily behind closed doors because none of us know actually what happened. Because um, I mean, KR, we all know that he's doing a good job at Oxford and he's going to attract attention at some point from probably a club higher up than us. Um, so that's kind of how I interpreted it. Although, uh, having said that, I do think now um, it's very much put to bed in my eyes. If you know, if Tigers come out and said, you know, we've declined the approach and KR's happy, which, like you said, he has been. But they were always um, going to decline the approach, weren't they? Like they're uh, not going to be right, like, like actually. To think so, yeah. Oh yeah, go on, go on. Have a chat. Have a chat. Yeah. Have a chat with him. I n- I never understand yeah. that as a thing. It's like they're never well, it's ever going to accept well, it's poli- if you're doing it's, well. Yeah, but it's well, it's law, isn't it? It's policy law. You, I mean, legislation. Sorry, they can't they can't actually talk to the manager without approaching the club yeah. first. So they have to go through the right procedures, which you know, which Blackpool obviously had. So that's only a good thing, which means it can be dealt with on that level. You know, it can it can get to the point of we want to talk to him, but then Oxford, as a collective, including the manager, can just go no. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. I kind of liked the politely declined, whereas I imagine a lot of Oxford fans are probably more along the lines of "fuck <laughs> off, Blackpool." Um, so, because <laughs> I know I certainly was. Because as soon as I saw the rumor, I was like, "No," I was like, "Get out!" I was like, "I don't want KR to leave." I just yeah, um, that would be a real kick kicking the nuts wouldn't it if, if he was oh, it would have been to, definitely to, to go to a more optimistic blackpool side god exactly the, the, i mean they've they've they're hardly you know distance from problems are they no oh, well they've just come out of club. a really difficult period right but the, the the you're kind of right connor anyway when you what you were saying about the warning shot the the quote that i took from kr last night was it's not a case of well and again he was on the spot here right so and maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think he said, it's not a case of whether I want to go to Blackpool or not. It's a case of whether we can be successful here. How can I comment without knowing what's going on here or at Blackpool? Because, And that's basically saying, what's our project here at Oxford versus their project at Blackpool? And how can I make a informed comment or decision on it? Is So yeah, I think, I think it is a... Well, how did you describe it, John? I liked it. It was kind of that weird, the chemistry between the board and him. It's on. It's, uh, it's on a knife. It's on an edge. I like creative it. tension and pressure between them. Creative yeah. tension. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I see that, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because that means that that you know each each party's got a, got a part to play and and one can push the other and they can try and push each other's hands. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because um, you know we all know that the board have. Uh, a vision in terms of building the club, but they also have the the priority of making this team or this club rather sustainable. And it's, again, it's finding that balance because if we do get promoted to the championship, for example, that is one of the most financially difficult leagues to survive in, in yeah. in the entirety. Well, not even just English football beyond that. So I I kind of sit on the side of caution. To be honest with you, I'd much rather have a football club playing good football in League One and being a sustainable club than go to the championship have one season get relegated and end up in massive financial problems because we've overspent in order to try and remain in the league so i'm i kind of sit on the fence but sometimes i'm actually more pushed towards the the side of side of caution that the board clearly took in in january with some of the player sales but that's just my opinion on on i i, on the, the I wonder the as well whether it is about keeping the fire on the under the board's feet ahead of this summer where Dickie and Brannigan will touch on in a second. 
likely to go and there's, there's going to need to be some in, investment there and I, I agree with you con as well about the whole point about sustainability and league one versus the championship i mean i'm sure you can get promoted to the championship stay in the championship through good management good team spirit with some degree of investment but if you want to be stay there for the long haul it's, it's serious amounts of money and we just don't know whether the um whether the club has that um i think yeah. comments you touched on james about case of whether we can be successful here it does allude to me that he's sort of saying he doesn't quite know what where we're going to be in six or nine months time in terms of what sort of investment or, or plans will be so I, I think there is like going back to his creative tension point the manager should be challenging the board to say give me more money give me more money basically and the board should be saying no we've given you enough you've got enough to to get on with it and do your job so then they should never be babes in arms to a to a degree but i don't think if kr wanted to this would be the time where kr would need to start agitating for a move but the fact he's come out seven ten days ago and said how how happy he is at the place he hasn't really got a leg to stand on once we formally declined blackpool's offer it would have to be a hell of a yeah. u-turn and expose a lot of bollocks that he's been that would have been spouted if he is actually unhappy at the club <laughs> yeah 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 so um so that's that one, but I think I don't think it's going to drag on. And there might be a couple of questions um, after the next game, but I think we can probably put that one to, to bed for now and just look to a, a big summer. Really, um, I touched on Brannigan very briefly. Um, there's been some rumours swirling that Leeds United are seriously looking for him, and, and they were the team that were mentioned um, earlier last in the January transfer window. So that could have some legs, but again. Just more speculation. It's a lot of speculation now, well, really, isn't it? Tiger was saying in the fans forum last last week that he, he he talked about the sustainability thing again in a way in the model, and he referenced that he expected Dickie and Brannigan. He, he just referenced those players as in you know we're we're expecting bids, or maybe again I think Ben said it on a previous pod. Perhaps the deals are, are already done that we don't know about to a degree, especially with Dickie. Like that wouldn't surprise me, but um, I think Tiger again. You don't know what KR knows as well behind the scenes as to why he's dropping some of these comments in. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Don't want to read too much into it necessarily. But I did find it interesting that Tiger bothered to reference those two. Yeah, and I think Brannigan is hit form after his knee injury, which I'm sure lots of people were were watching as well. Um, but fans forum is a good yeah. point to to mention as well. Um, Tiger cleared up the right back situation about Cadden, O'Donnell not wanting to move south, how we nearly got Nico Williams. So obviously there was plenty of moves in place. Talked about Grigg that would have made him the highest paid player, but that one just seems a bit of a, a chucking things out there to try and get something to um to happen. Um he made this comment about there were no plans for director of football, which raised an eyebrow with me because yeah. I didn't think that was that common at this level anyway. And I got a bit um, bored this afternoon and did um, some searches. And uh, as far as I can tell, of six or seven random clubs in League One, only one of them has a director of football, and that is Peterborough, who, and that is Barry Fry. So I think that's, that's, think that's that, an exception to the rule. But I can't see why. That's, that's interesting. Because if you look at the, the transfers uh, that Peterborough have made in the last few years, They've been pretty good ones. It's Barry Fry, though. And obviously, throughout to, 
I don't even know. I don't even know who that is to be honest with you. Don't know who Barry Fry is. Is that bad? Is that bad? <laughs> I've got to Google it's it. It's like now. a sort of kind of. There's a documentary about um, Peterborough and Barry Fry that's well worth a watch. It's oh, absolutely okay. Oh, okay. He's a proper like wheeler oh, right, dealer. Okay. I rec- I, old yeah, school. Okay, I've just looked. I, I'm, I'm looking at him now. Of, he looks like it. Type of guy. Um, yeah. It's countless stories. Looks a little in, bit. But anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, well worth yeah. a watch that documentary if you fancy a fancy a giggle. Um, but then also he confirmed Tiger coming back to the fans forum. Tiger sort of played the usual cards about no progress on the stadium and um, so on. And also he did he didn't confirm whether he was a twat or not. And I'm not sure whether he answered <laughs> the, he answered the question or not. Whether it was actually put to him. And I don't he want didn't, to do an accent. <laughs> Be awful. And he didn't confirm whether any hot dogs would be available. So sorry, Andy, uh, if you're listening. But it was a useful <laughs> download. And I think we got a lot more out of the fans forum Tiger than we probably um, feared we might do. So um, so there we are. Um, final bit of squad news. Um, ben, Wood- when ben Woodburn should be back this weekend. Who? He- when Woodburn. When when Woodburn. <laughs> Hopefully he's a better version of Ben Woodburn. Um I don't know. I don't think he gets back in the team for a, for a little while. Um, I know. I, my friend sent me a message last night and said, "What do you think about Woodburn when he comes back?" And I just said, "To be honest with you, I think he's going to be sitting on the bench with the rest of them because he's not going to walk back into this team at the moment. Not after the last three games, anyway." Yeah, you've seen more. I've seen more from Sykes in, in yeah. that kind of because Woodburn dropped into that midfield role eventually in the centre, and I, yeah. I think we've seen such form from Sykes even when he's come off the bench that I think it would be really really out of order to be putting Woodburn ahead of Sykes especially given that Sykes is a permanent player that we, we yeah. want to improve so definitely yeah, you, just, you just hope we haven't got any sort of stupid kind of contract stipulations or or things like that you hear about with Premier League loan players but yeah very I true I can't imagine it mm. um, Rob Atkinson's been recalled from Eastly, and I kind of think it's probably better to have him training with us now, given he's proved he's pretty good in the conference, and he's clearly going to be in in the thinking for next season. Uh, and Kyron Lofthouse, they said, gone just on just on Rob Atkinson. It's because Elliot Moore's missus is about to have a baby, and Moose is mm. injured, so it's actually likely that Atkinson's going to be yeah. starting a game if it if it falls that way. Yeah, so. and Dickie's obviously very close to being suspended. Yeah. Yeah, the inevitability about that. Um, and the yellow cards. Yeah, I think it's a smart move. Yeah, well, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'd be able to come into a team like ours and and put in a decent show. He's, he's not being thrown in the deep end, is he per se? Uh, and finally, but the thing is, Kyron Lofthouse has rejoined Oxford City, and he seems to have scored a few there, and and done all right. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for news, unless I've missed anything. Nice. What do you reckon, um, Elliot Moore should call his child? <laughs> Oxford-based. What about Nigel after Nigel Jempson? I don't think you get an, as many Nigels around these days. Actually, Oxford fans really hate Nigel Jempson. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of had a really nice season then just turned into a bit of a bastard from memory. But, uh, <laughs> right, let's be- move on. Call him Beano. Yeah, Beano. If it's, if it's a boy. Uh, 20 minutes in. That took us 20 minutes. So much for the the, the short pod. Anyway, Ipswich. 
Uh, form coming into the game for them, looking at their last five before playing us, they had a 1-0 defeats away. They had a tough run, actually. 1-0 defeats away at Rotherham and Sunderland. Tough games. Uh, they lost 4-1 at home to Peterborough. Again, Peterborough obviously on that flying run. They went away to Wimbledon, drew 0-0. We didn't draw 0-0 with Wimbledon. Um, <laughs> and then they had a 4-1 home win to Burton just before playing us. So we were a bit nervous, I guess, when we did the preview last time out that they maybe their form had turned. Um, frequent score lines, love them. Uh, they seem to, yeah, it's not, a lot of their games seem to just not encourage goals. So I think they had 15 games where there was only, well, there was either zero or one goal in it, basically. Um, so lots of one nils and five nil nils within there. Um, we took nearly 1,500 Oxford fans, which is just incredible. That distance, it's not an easy place to get to, is it? It's in just, you know, no, it's really impressive. flopping off a cliff. Yeah. Um, in terms of the team, Gorin came back in for Sykes. I think we all expected that, um, even after that great performance against Wimbledon. Um, Ford remained at, at right back and um, no shocks there, John, I don't think. No, KR talked about it, possibly not putting Gorin back in, which I just thought was a bit of a slightly weird thing to talk about I think he's absolutely what you need in that sort of game so now I think it all made absolute sense that lineup. yeah so the game kicked off pretty even even start but the it, the wind or the conditions were just massively impacting the game I think we were all following it from Laos and uh, Northern Ireland and John where were you Hard nipped over to Bucharest. No, no, Bucharest. Bucharest. Yeah. Bucharest. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was in, uh, I was in Romania. Romania, Romania okay. Transylvania, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. Um, I swear, people who don't know what VPNs are must be like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" I think we need to drop this joke anyway. It's not actually. Yeah, funny, it's, is not, it? yeah it's not. It's not even funny for bit... us. No, we we just kind of say it sarcastically now, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just so people know we watched the game there you go um anyway the wind was just carrying the ball whenever we went long to the point where there were a load of goal kicks coming over from eastwood and matty taylor actually nearly latched on to one of them it looked like he was clean through for a minute and then the ball just miraculously just kind of shifted away from him and then just straight into the the, the other keep the what the ipswich keeper's hands um they did look dangerous to be fair that the opening 20 30 minutes jackson was putting a few crosses in from the right and you were starting to get like the ball wasn't quite dropping from them and we were able to kind of get the ball the ball out and it was, you know, lots of good clearances, lots of good defensive headers, but it started, you know, you started to get the impression, Connor, that something could easily drop to them. Yeah, it was one of those where they were putting quite a few balls into our box, weren't they? And, and I think when that starts to happen, you just naturally get a few jitters, don't you? Because you think something's not happening either in the wide areas where we're not stopping the crosses um, and you're just kind of praying yeah. that nothing falls to them. And I think it was quite a similar situation last night against Accrington as well at some points. Yeah, for sure. But we did still create some good chances in that first half, but it just seemed like our decision-making in attacking areas wasn't quite on point. James Henry, um, which isn't really like him, uh, was a pr pretty indecisive on a couple of occasions when breaking down the right, overhitting a cross when he had a lot of time and there was someone open at the back post and he delayed a ball. Um, when he was in a great position on when we had a counter-attack and you were kind of starting to go, shit, we need to be more clinical in this. 
Um, Holland, John, I remember you mentioning that, but Holland kind of broke away twice. One of them, he was kind of on his own, um, but was kind of taking a pot shot rather than kind of getting his head up and looking for a, a better option. Yeah, you saw, you saw in this game the kind of the, the not so well not so developed side of Holland. There were three occasions in quick or two success two in quick succession in the first half where the first one he should have shot straight away but didn't, and the second one he should have passed it instead of instead of having a shot. And it was they were quite aimless shots, and it was just a sort of decision making point. But then he was he was playing well, and he, he does this. He's still drifting past players at, at ease, and it's just a development thing, and. As yeah. long as he's creating the chances, it's, it's not a problem. But I think you are seeing that good and bad side of him in terms of his decision making at the moment. Yeah, but that, that first half did feel like the conditions were making a massive difference to the way we were playing. We were going a lot more direct. We were soaking up a lot of pressure and letting Ipswich kind of play in our half. But we were defending resolutely. We, we didn't look too uncomfortable, be it that, yeah, we had a few moments where crosses were swinging across the box and we were having to kind of last ditch headers and that type of thing, but um, we forty third minute. I don't think we were. We were sort of weren't picking up the second ball particularly well, and they were hold. Yeah. They were sort of holding, retaining the ball higher up the pitch, and part of that is just being the home team. But I think we were just panicking a bit and trying to play very quickly, and that just didn't help. And we were sort of just. It was starting to look like a get to half time and just calm down type of thing. But then, as you were about to tell us. <laughs> 43rd minute yeah yeah um I absolutely love this I went absolutely nuts but yeah Ruffles kind of picked the ball up just inside the Ipswich half played a great little ball inside to Brannigan um Taylor made a run kind of into the box that seemed to kind of create space for Henry and he dragged a couple of players away Henry was kind of off the screen at this point wasn't he you just heard Jerome getting excited and his tone going up. So you kind of knew something. Someone was in a decent position. Brannigan played it through to Henry. Um, this time, absolutely no indecisiveness. First time ball right back across to uh, Matty Taylor. And Matty Taylor is able... His touch is actually really important, isn't it? Like he manages to kind of... A decent yeah. first touch because you, you're kind of expecting him to hit it first time, but actually he does the right thing. Takes a touch, makes the keeper commit and then you know he doesn't put it across the goal puts it in the near near post and jobs jobs are good and one nil fantastic I Connor, the, did you, uh, emotional scenes for you oh yeah obviously emotional scenes always happen whenever oxford score it's just a shame that nowadays not being able to go to as many games anymore that i end up just celebrating on my own it's kind of quite sad but i still think people who are my neighbours in, in my flats know when Oxford are playing because they just hear me screaming my head off, either swearing <laughs> at the either screaming at the telly because we're playing poorly or screaming my head off because we're winning. Um, but I think for this goal in particular, I do think the pass from Josh Ruffles deserves a bit of credit because that pass into Brannigan was lovely. Nice left-footed nutmeg pass. Yeah. Um, Brannigan obviously turns on it, goes forward, and it's just a very nice footballing goal to watch back. And like you said, the, the the lack of indecisiveness from Henry was fantastic. Great first time ball and again, great finish. It was a, a really well timed goal as well because it was one of those where you probably knocked a little bit of the stuffing out of them. Um, Absolutely, yeah. What a time the, to at score. the time, yeah. What yeah. A time to score exactly. And it was uh, really really pleasing. I know you play a bit of FIFA, Connor, but it reminded me of um, a FIFA goal a trap, where a someone you're playing someone that's just sat there tapping X. 
loads yeah. and until they just get a tap in. But yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Bit, bit, bit of a tramp goal is what they say. Tramp, tramp goal. Yeah. yeah, when you square it across the box. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a very. This was not a tramp goal. <laughs> Didn't look like a tramp goal. John, anything to add? Did you windmill at home or anything? No, <laughs> no. The, the curtains were all open, so I was uh, limited to a <laughs> firm fist punch. Um, I Good. know it was, it was a, a brilliant goal. I mean, I imagine Paul Lambert must be ripping his defence to pieces. They had three centre backs, and they all three of them went towards the ball and Taylor was just there in mountains of space. I mean, it was, I mean, we, Taylor, Taylor moved them around. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it really was shocking. Two centre-backs going across kind of fair enough, but three was just, it was just a really sort of, the space was just gaping and it's like, why don't you just follow the number nine, but not complaining. It was one of my favourite goals of this whole season, I think. I was very proud showing that to people that didn't give a crap, but I, I made them look at it at work and stuff, but it was, it was decent. Anyway, we got into the second half, as Connor said, great time to score, 43rd minute. Um, we had a just a fantastic second half in general. We looked more dangerous in general because we were playing on the counter-attack Um Really good work down the right early on. Uh, Brannigan looked like he was going to get a clear, a clear shot off, but fair play to Ipswich. One of their defenders came back, blocked it. Um, Matty Taylor, John, I thought had just a fantastic game in terms of his hold-up play in this game. It's, it's kind of hard. You kind of confuse the games when you've watched a couple and you have to refer back to them. But there was a lot of long passes, a lot of long balls coming over. And he did a really good job of just get, getting the ball down and bringing someone else into play. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, and it almost felt in these two two games that we've not really seen as much of that side of his game before. Um, he's been very much more about the runs and being in the right the right place, but he was just sort of first class on that, just haranguing. The defenders couldn't live with him. It was constant, just getting a foot in, holding them off, looking really, really strong. And I think it was... Whether it was the weather or, or where it's a more of a recent tactical decision, we were going direct a lot more often, and he basically had yeah. to win that, or else the move was going to die out multiple times. And every single time, he made something slightly happen, and a lot that, of them I wouldn't that's expect, it, isn't it? it? Yeah. Well, that's it. It's like when you can't see what's up there, and you see us clear the ball up the pitch. It looked like a nameless thing, and then the ball, the kind of camera panned, and then you see, oh right, Matt Taylor's there, and that happened more than one. You know, like I was it got to like 60, 65 minutes or so. And I was like, God, can we stop booting it out? But then you realise, oh, it's going to Matty Taylor. And then he held it up and then we did something, which was decent. But Connor, do you remember that the, there was a long ball over the top and um, Matty Taylor was running onto it. He kind of, it came over his shoulder and then he touched it. The keeper came out and he couldn't quite get his shot off. He just kicked. I think he did get a shot, off, but he just put it straight at the keeper. But that could have been absolutely incredible. I'm not sure if you remember that. Yeah, I, I... I rewatched the highlights about ten minutes ago, so I, that's fresh. That's fresh in my memory. That one, yeah. It it was just one of those where I think the initial ball was just ever so slightly too heavy, but it's yeah. it, you know it, again, it's it's uh, it testifies of the type of player that uh, Matty Taylor is. Just the way he's on, you know, he's on the last man. He, he's always hungry. He wants to score goals, and. Um, He's in the right place at the right time in nine times out of ten, to be fair to him. And he normally gets a chance out of those sort of situations because he's in the right positions in the first place. So, you know, the fact he didn't score, in you know, it's not always necessarily a, a, the worst thing. 
And he's got no. a grizzly beard. I just love his beard. It's fantastic. I just love him, to be honest. Him I think and, they should start he- selling. Henry. Just... I think they should start selling Matty Taylor beards. Like, I was going to say strap-ons, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs> clip-ons. As in you, clip-on. Clip Thank on. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd appreciate it if just, no one uh... captures that and replays it back. That'd be I was going to say, just uh, uh, this is misses for one for her free birthday. Oh. I might have Taylor strap on. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ipswich, um, Ipswich fans were obviously. Te- <laughs> that was a ref- that Let was me a ref- carry on. That was a reference to his handshake celebration, not anything else. <laughs> Do you know what? Whilst we're on that, did I? I'm not sure if I posted this the other day, but I went on YouTube and I watched the video from Bristol Rovers fans' perspective of that Matty, Matty Taylor handshake when they sc- they beat us two one. He scored the second goal. It was at their place, and it is not nice to watch. It's it's proper. Oh, I hadn't ever seen it before. Um, don't watch it; it pissed me off. <laughs> anyway, Ipswich, it, speaking of people being pissed off, Ipswich fans were turning on their um, on their team. Obviously, as, as we got into that second half, um, you could see as we were winning throw-ins and such. Some of their fans were nearly kind of running on the pitch to try and like lamp our players, and it was it was quite funny they, to watch. They, they really started to throw the the baby out of the pram, didn't they? Yeah, but they were playing. But Ipswich weren't. The thing is, I kind of understood it because there was a five or ten minute period where Luke Garbutt saw a lot of the ball on the left. He was putting a lot of crosses in, but they were relatively aimless. And we were defending so well. They just weren't. They literally, for the whole of the second half, created absolutely nothing, which is absolutely testament to our defenders. I thought we were just absolutely fantastic. I think that's the best half of defending I've seen it should have been so much more stressful. It was still stressful and I've still felt ill watching it, but you just, I, mean, I just thought we were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I, I tweeted was, about it saying just go on. No, I was, well, John. Elliot Moore was absolutely fantastic in that second half, just to pick on one of them. Yeah. I think every decision he made, whether to boot it out or to pass it or to sort of roll it back was just absolutely spot on. And I reckon yeah. a lot of its Switch fans have seen that game about 15 times this season already, where they get to about 70 minutes, run out of ideas, can't get anything going, and that contributes to it. And I think that's yeah. part of yeah. the reason why the, the team sort of fell apart, because they were like, we don't know what to do now. We, we haven't got, this isn't working. Yeah. Connor, you're going to say something insightful? Well, it wasn't really insightful, but I was going to say that Watching Oxford on TV is possibly the most anxiety-deriving thing. <laughs> like inducing, it's, yeah, inducing, yeah. It's horrific. Like honestly, I, I mean, I've been watching Oxford for 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 years on the terraces, and it's far better watching it on terraces than it is on telly. It's fucking horrible. Oh, it's awful. Like, especially yeah. that game. Honestly, sat on my own. I'm, I'm at, you know, like when you get anxious and you feel that like crushing feeling in your chest i actually get that when i sit and watch oxford play it's really bad i think most i think most people do i wouldn't be surprised if my death is based on is due to oxford United. <laughs> Gen- genuinely oxford. Um, oxford killed me but um yeah anyway our game I, I what i liked as well about this is we were still playing well we created more chances i felt in that second half and were, were more the dominant kind of side, um, especially in that half. And 
game management was also a thing that we saw. Like Holland, do you remember when Holland kind of went down with cramp near the Ipswich goal and he was literally on the on the byline but just didn't roll off and the ref was like, come on, mate, just get off. And he was like, nah. I just yeah, I really enjoyed I like it because it just wasted a few minutes. And what we don't usually do that. It's from the Graham, I put a note to remind myself that it's from the Graham Wesley School of Shithousery, that type of stuff. Yeah. No, I was quite proud of us in a weird way. But um, yeah, we had a penalty shout at one point where all of our players were running up to the ref. The ref, if he gave that, I think the tractors would have been running him over on the way home afterwards. Um, <laughs> but it, you kind of felt like maybe the ref was starting to feel the pressure of the fans, but actually right at the end of the game, the ref was still um, kind of looking after us when we were trying to keep the ball in the corner and just getting piled on. So I thought that was all right. Um, he let we a lot did go start during to... the game as well. Like He's one of those yeah. refs that you like to, to see generally just... There were a few where against us, we like, come on, that's a foul. But... You kind of chalk them down to actually, this game's flowing, so I'll just I'll deal with it. He, he seemed like a decent ref. Yeah, I thought I thought he did well to manage the situation and um, kind of jumping back a bit when it got to like the last fifteen minutes, back to just being terrified watching the game. Some of our players, notably like Marcus Brown, who'd moved out wide after starting centrally, Matty Taylor, Hen- James Henry, all of them looked absolutely spent. And there was still, you know, like 15, 20 minutes to go. And I started to go, oh my God, this is going to be, this is going to be tough bombardment. But again, that never materialised. And and we absolutely, after that second half, we absolutely deserved, deserved the win. Um, superb game management, as we said. Um, right at the end of the game, obviously, uh, Jackson, what's Jackson's first name? Begins with a K, doesn't it? Caden. Caden. Yeah, just a stupid, stupid stamp on Dickie as we moved into injury time, which was obviously fantastic yeah. for us because A, he gets sent off and B, it kills some time and what, and what an yeah. idiot. But Well, I mean, happy birthday to Caden Jackson because it was his birthday, <laughs> I, wasn't it? I so, liked um, And he certainly tweet. got his car, didn't he? Uh, you just stole it. <laughs> I know, I did. Well, I, I, it's just, it was a ridiculous, ridiculous decision from him and he tried to tried to uh, blag his innocence, but you watch the replay and you can clearly see that he's had a little go at Dickie. And yeah. I think fair play to the officials for for spotting it and just doing you know doing letter, letter of the law and sending him off because it was just it was it was brainless, yeah, stupid. Yeah. But anyway, that's you know that's their player, not ours. So, so John, that was the first time we beat Ipswich since 1988, and only our second win at, at Portman Road. But yeah, closing thoughts on that game. I think a, a, just a really impressive performance and I I'd sort of found some of KR's comments after the game a bit funny because he talked about he said nobody was outstanding in that game and I was yeah. like Elliot Moore for one was absolutely outstanding that I've mentioned Matt Taylor certainly in the second half perhaps not as much in the first but I thought we really sort of came with a plan and, and Marcus Brown as well was was really really good um so I think I think it was it showed all different elements, but fundamentally defended really, really well. I didn't actually feel that worried about us defensively for the whole game. I thought it, the only way we conceded would just be a horrible ratty goal. I didn't think we were going to yeah. get taken yeah, yeah. apart at all. So no, I, I think it was really impressive. Really. And, and Connor, for me, I was thinking, looking at the running, like knowing that we've got we're mainly playing teams in the lower half of the table. I was kind of like, this is a statement yeah. result, isn't it? Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that one. I think it was a massive, massive signal of intent. 
Um, it was one of those games where I was just praying for the final whistle that it would end 1-0 because it was just such a huge, huge result for us against a team that are also pushing uh, in a very similar position to us. And uh, I said, my dad made the journey and I spoke to him about it and he said it was a, a really solid performance um, just all round, really. And I think, I think you know, we, we might not have played them off the pitch, but we, we did a job. And at the end of the day, if we do a job for the rest of the 11 games or whatever are left of the season and we do jobs like that, then uh, we'll, we'll be going places. Did anyone... Um, did I, don't, I didn't look at Paul Lambert's... After, obviously, John, your great preview where you, you looked at some Paul Lambert um, press conferences. Yeah, was there anything... I didn't actually go back and check the reaction from their side, but... He I think tried- it, actually no. I remember he said three. They should have been three 0 up at half time, and we couldn't begrudge them if that was the case or something. Is that right? Yeah, he, he tried to make out that their performance was actually pretty good if they'd taken the the chances, and he seemed to be playing a bit to. Well, it seemed to be one hundred percent playing to the fans in terms of explaining away a loss. It, it didn't. It felt like one of those which game were you watching type of things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it was a. Clearly, a man under pressure type of reaction. You just look thoroughly pissed off, um, but yeah, not a sort of a rational response at all. No. Oh well, sorry, Paul. Anyway, let's move on to um, Aki. Yeah. So there was. I noticed in the Oxford Mail um, on their Twitter feed, they were saying that going into Accrington, we had 12 games left this season, eight of which, including obviously the game against Accrington, are against teams in the bottom half. And he he was saying, I'm guessing it's Dave Pritchard, that that's the most of any teams in the promotion battle. So we've got more teams against, against, more more games against teams in the bottom half of the table than anyone else in, in the promotion battle, which is... That's significant, isn't it? Like, I, I when I read that, I was like, "Ooh, mm. that that makes that makes everything that bit, bit more it, exciting, and it makes the games it does, like yeah. commentary and Pompey obviously they're they're, they're huge, they're huge games. But then on the next breath, it you can only beat who's in front of you, and you can only play who's in front of you. You can't you can't change the the fixture list, and, and obviously at the beginning of the season, we didn't know what teams would be in and around us. So it's just about making sure you do a job on the day, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess you just do make sure you do the job in those eight games, and then yeah, yeah, you, you know, yeah. Um, John, well, Ben previewed it last week, but we don't have a great record against Accrington in recent years. John Coleman, the Accrington manager, um, coming into the game was saying we're a top side. He felt that we turned in probably the best performance at their place earlier in the season when we drew two all. It was a, it was a good game. That it was a frustrating one for us to not come out with a win. I think, um, and he said. Obviously, we can be a big club, and he said Carl can get us going. And if if he gets us promoted, who knows what we could do in the championship? I like John Coleman for that. Maybe didn't like him so much after the game, but we'll get on to that. Um, their form coming in, yeah, was patchy at at best in a way. Like they had a run where they went what five games without getting a win, losing four of them, drawing one, and then they won three in a row um, before getting beaten by Rotherham. I think in the last minute it was actually at home the week before playing us. Um, they love a one-all. Um, just like, who who else loved a one-all? I forget. It was it was uh, Wimbledon, wasn't it? Sund- no, Sunderland. That's it, uh, Sunderland. Oh yeah, of course they do. 
Everyone loves a one-all. Um, two changes from the team on Saturday. Uh, Sam Long came in for Ford. Slong, as we're going to call him from now on. Um, we won't. We yeah. won't. Refer- we won't reference the jokes that were part- that were posted in the uh, the Yorkshire Yellows group chat based on that nickname. We'll keep that to ourselves. I think. Should we, gents? They're all. Yeah. PC, but while we're yeah. on Slong, yeah, they are all PC. But whilst yeah, we're on clearly. it, um, John, I. In the past, I guess in the past, I, I've been guilty of thinking that he, that Sam Long, Slong, isn't quite there in terms of being good enough for this level. And I, I felt like I, it doesn't matter if we jump ahead, but I felt like he really made a statement in this game. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us are sort of worried about him coming in for a one-off game. It is just that how how much of a is he really sort of at this up to or at this level but he really did have a a great game and it's a tough decision for um chaos to who to put back in i think ford's shown a different element a sl- not as composure's perhaps not the right word but i think ford's decision making probably is is a bit better at times but sam long defensively was just a, outstanding last night so i think it's a great problem to have given where we were with right backs as as Far back as yeah. January, and Fa- and um, Fawn made his first league start for us, coming in for um, Holland, who was fit enough to make the bench alongside Mark Sykes. But Connor, you made a. I think you were saying that you felt Fawn had a good a good game, good sixty minutes. I think he did. Yeah, I mean, I know a few people in the in the group chat didn't necessarily agree with me, but I thought that Fawn played well. He's he's one of these players that he's not the most mobile player on the pitch, but what he did extremely well yesterday was he won so many second balls, he made a number of important challenges in the midfield area, and he's extremely collected collected on the football. You know, when he gets the ball at his feet, he knows where he's going to go with it. He might not be as mobile as Gorin in terms of defensively shielding the back, the back two, but I think he did a really good job for 60 minutes, and I was quite impressed of him, actually. And also, on top of that, he, he delivered a couple of decent uh, set, play, uh, set pieces as well. So. Yeah. I yeah. think I personally think Thorne had a decent game for a lad who's, you know, clearly not hundred percent match fit to play the way he did for an hour. I take that all day long. I think KR would be extremely happy with him when he came off the pitch. John, didn't you put a note that he was that Rosie had mentioned he was really vocal during the game as well? Yeah, just on the commentary that Rosie kept saying, and you can Thorne's obviously got a strong vocal presence on the pitch, but. I mean, Connie basically said everything that I was going to say. I I thought he did well. Mobility, possibly a bit, you know, it's clear at the moment he's not the most mobile, but he's there to play what I always call like tick over type passes. It's just to keep things moving quite quickly. It's short, sharp, five, yeah. 10 yard yeah. passes, and then occasionally open up or split the lines and, and that sort of stuff. And strong physical presence as well. I was really encouraged by it. And I think he's one that in two, three games time, you won't even remember that performance as being a bit, as potentially being questionable. Uh, he's he's clearly got something. Um, so I was yeah. really ple- I was really pleased that he started. Really, really pleased. Yeah. Um, we had actually this. I still think this game is weird. So when we kind of reflect on the thing as a whole at the end, it'll, yeah, it was a strange one. But we we did have a shaky first ten minutes. Just talking about four and his first couple of passes were all over the shot. Um, he then obviously came into the game a bit more. Dicky 
really early on, um, a, a really dangerous cross came in. Dicky, massive kind of goal-saving clearance uh, from a header where there was someone coming into the back post. And then Sam Long, absolutely kind of fantastic um, block when it looked like it was, a, it was a guaranteed goal. And that block kind of turned... If it was ice hockey, it would be counted as, as an assist because the ball made its way to Marcus Brown. And Brown obviously then finds uh, James Henry on the right-hand side with a really kind of weird... We were just dis- discussing it pre-pod, like trying to work out if Marcus Brown meant, meant that pass or whether it got a deflection and how he kicked it. But Connor, it looked like it was a clean kind of ball, didn't it? Yeah, it was I a thought, great, great ball over the top. To me, it looks like he's just stabbed it with his laces because the backspin on the ball is minimal, and he's put a, a really well. I mean, it's, it's a pinpoint ball. Um, he's done really well to kind of nip it away from the defenders before they got there, and it was a great, great knockover to Henry and a great first touch. And uh, I'll let you do the rest of the talking. Well, yeah, great, great first touch. And John, you were mentioning that you felt because I, I, I was a bit critical of the keeper. I, I know it's a fantastic touch and shot from Henry but I thought the keeper's going to be disappointed from there but you were putting emphasis on the bounce being important yeah it bounced just ahead of the keeper not particularly high as in it bounced over him but enough for the keeper just to put an element of doubt in there I mean it looked when Henry's about to hit it slightly hard to tell from the angle of where we're watching it where the camera was that it you know you'd, you'd take a decent on target but I think it was a hell of a finish um, yeah and it it was just the sort of thing that we've come to expect from from Henry, and it's. I remember when he first signed him, and people were sharing highlight reels um, from his time at Wolves, and we were like, "Christ, this player is amazing!" And it didn't perhaps happen for the first season, or he was playing a different role. But we're starting to almost see that highlight reel James Henry now, or have been for twelve months, and if not more. But it was a really, really good finish. For sure, it, he's not going to be far off fifty goals soon, which is incredible yeah. for considering where he played most of his games for us, I guess. He he really is back into that right right wing role and that's where he's going to stay, isn't he? Like He's not going to be dropping deeper, surely, unless there's well, the, a, an injury crisis. Well, that's another reason why KR said that he started um, George Thorne as well, because he wanted he wanted to pair Henry and Taylor in a higher position on the pitch because yeah. of the relationship they have. So, you know, the fact that we have these options in midfield, even without the... Um, the option of Shannon Baptiste, you know, we still have these other options that are available. Sykes, Thorne, obviously Hansen's coming back to fitness now as well. Um, obviously Gorin came back from his suspension. I think it's just it's just testimony that we still have a flexible squad and we still have a very strong squad. And making sure that Henry is playing alongside Taylor is certainly one of, I imagine, those two are probably the first two names on the bloody um, team sheet at the moment because the way they're playing together is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, I think I think we've got a, a really strong squad going forward as long as we keep keep the players fit. So we got that goal. It was against the run of play, and Accrington kind of kept on applying the pressure. And we we didn't seem to be getting too close to them when they were attacking. They were mixing up in terms of kind of driving from deep, getting the ball out wide, and it felt like we were kind of struggling to contain them. And even when we had the ball, we weren't keeping possession for long. They were kind of right back at us and we were camped in our own half at times. There was one moment where I don't think any of us will know how they didn't score, where a cross came in from the left. There was a looping header. The Eastwood kind of had to dive backwards to, to keep out. Um, couldn't get much of a hand mm, on it, yeah. which meant he parried, parried it to 
Anaki player's feet and he kind of drilled it back straight at Eastwood. I think it looked like it hit Eastwood and or a defender. And then it came back out again to to for another attempt within the six-yard box. And I have no idea how this how the chat yeah. skied it over. It looked easier to score, but I, my heart was in my mouth for that. Same here. Yeah, when we, when we talk about <laughs> watching it on TV and uh, giving us anxiety, yeah. that was one of those moments. It's, is it fair to say, like John, Accrington looked the better side, didn't they? It really, in that first half, on the balance of play, we were kind of struggling to keep the ball. It looked like midfield battle. We weren't necessarily winning that. I think they, yeah, I think they definitely looked at it. Part of me wondered whether we had tuned into the fact that the counter-attack was probably on quite easily. Uh, and I'm not saying mm. we decided to say, right, let's invite them onto us. I think we'd kind of gone, actually, they're pretty decent with the ball. Um, but there is the opportunity to counter. So I wasn't overly worried at, at times. There was a, yeah, there's bits like not quite being on it in the midfield and and sort of, but there were times where Thorne got hold of the ball and we, we carved a few moments, but I always felt we could move it forward quite quickly. Um, so I wasn't, Yeah. I think they appeared, they looked sort of not on paper, but in play to be quite offensive and, and doing well, but I wasn't overly worried if that makes any sense. No, I know what you mean. And we did have, we were still creating chances and getting up the pitch on occasion. And we probably should have scored again just before half time. Um, half time. Connor, you mentioned kind of set piece delivery from Fawn, which was pretty strong, uh, just like it had been from Ford in previous weeks. And it was kind of the second attempt after a corner was cleared where he crossed it in. We got our head on it and then it dropped to Matty Taylor, like one two yards out and he just kind of poked it straight back at the keeper but we could have easily yeah. gone in um two new up so um going into the second half though matty taylor didn't have to wait long obviously to get that goal and i, I think we were all delighted that we went in at one nil just saying let's reset bit of a team talk shooting down towards the uh the jim smith stand and um what a fantastic counter-attack this was like we, we kind of break quickly with marcus brown slides it into Brannigan on the left-hand side. It was kind of a bit of a lucky... It was a bit lucky that the ball made it to Brannigan. Yeah. I think it clipped the well, defender's heel. Well, he, well, he nutmegged but, him, didn't he? In, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, that's another thing. Can we just briefly talk about... Um, Marcus Brown's nutmegging skills are absolutely disgusting at the moment. He has <laughs> megged so many players in the last two games that I've I've almost wanted to turn my TV off because it makes me want to throw up. They're, they're, that, they're that nasty. Stop it. Yeah, it's one of those. It is. It's like, oh no, Marcus, not again. Stop doing it to him. We, oh, <laughs> we didn't mention against Ipswich when he just put the player on his arse after dragging the ball under his under yeah. his legs. It's, it's filthy. Great. It's filth. So Marcus, keep doing that because it's it's yeah. so entertaining to watch it. When because I don't know if any of you guys watch Soccer AM, but with uh, Bob Bradley, when they just like meg nuts. <laughs> it's just a guy. I mean, Brad there. Bobbly. Brad Bobbly, that's it, rather. The other way around, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's just meg nuts. Every time I see it, I'm just I'm just screaming at the telly. It's just, it's vile. Yeah. So, but yeah. Good run. Sorry. Good run from Brannigan to get on the left wing. He's got, it looks like he's been forced a little bit out, but he, he gets his head up, sees Matty Taylor at the back post, and it's a fantastic cross, just gets away from all of the Accrington players and you kind of spot Matty Taylor there and you're like, yeah. well, fantastic. This is 2-0. But Left peg as well, goal. isn't it? Left peg cross. Left peg For, cross, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a half-volley yeah, half controlled finish, isn't it? Yeah, I just, love the, I, just, I just love it when 
you watch that goal back and you just see the intelligence of Cameron Brannigan, just to, that little glance to spot sort of the, the on-rushing Matty Taylor at the back stick and pick out a, a, a perfectly timed cross straight into his path. And, you know, a player like Matty Taylor's not going to miss him, is he? And it was a, it was just a great goal to watch. I just remember, you know, when you watch goals unfold in front of you, you can kind of see what's going to happen. That was one of those moments where you could just see it happening. And and thankfully, it was a, it was a great finish. I was wondering if um, James Henry would have felt that Matty Taylor was cheating on him by taking the ball from Brannigan and scoring. <laughs> of him. But then a few minutes later, after we went 2-0 up, Taylor played Henry through with just this beautiful kind of really nice weight on the on the pass on the right-hand side, just puts Henry through. Similar position to what he had against um, Wimbledon when he dinked it over the keeper. But um, this time he kind of tries to get it in the far post and it's a good save. But maybe that was him trying to, you know, say, I'm still here for you, man. The magnetism is still a thing. And then obviously later on in the game, uh, the two of them obviously combine. It was always going to happen, wasn't it, John? But did you, that third goal... Obviously, Slong, as we call him now. Um, great improvisation to kind of hit the ball over right wing. Henry anticipates it well, firstly. And then the cross is just pinpoint. Gets his head up, makes checks where his, his magnet buddy is. And then it's just bish, bash, bosh on his head. Goal. Yeah, I mean, Taylor's movement for both goals is just first, first class, really. It's just really, really good. And I thought it was interesting as well, though, like 10 minutes maybe 10 minutes before that, around sort of 60 minutes, Accrington's just sort of the stuffing absolutely went from them and they absolutely dropped yeah, off. And yeah. and we just looked like, not a training game, but we were just sort of like, right, we're going to play some decent football here and just knock it around and roll it around. And that goal was, yeah, great improvisation from from Long to clip it, to clip it over and Henry to, to seize on it. But from that moment on, about 60-odd minutes, we were like, Accrington had gone right, this isn't happening tonight. Um, we're not going to get much of the ball. Uh, we'll just leave it. But all three quality goals, like, no, not a scuffed, crappy goal in sight last night. It was just, just quality to watch. Yeah, really clinical. And that had been a thing in recent weeks as well that we talked about yeah. needing to be more clinical. We've mentioned on the pods that we'd lost maybe a bit of our cutting edge and we've absolutely found that again. So, I mean, we scored nine nine goals and conceded none in the last three games and that's going back to the form we had before Christmas. So that's what, that's we, want, it, that's yeah. what we want to see. If we keep this up and, you know, the, the playoff hopes and whatever are certainly not gone. I just think that, I think you know, John touched upon it there, just how clinical we were yesterday is, it's so good to see that, you know, when, when you only see the amount of shots that we had and the amount that go in, you know, you, you know, shots on target, we had eight shots on target, but we scored three, like, you know, we'll take that all day long. I mean, to yeah. me, that, that's still that's still a, a clinical game of football. So, it's it's just pleasing to watch the last the last three games, and we you know we can't have any complaints, and we just hope that we can continue it. Yeah, Did for sure. See, it's um, great that Matty Taylor's got as a number nine five goals in three games as well. That's yeah. kind of what you want, isn't it? Sorry, John. No, as you can say, like it got it was almost well, it was it was almost fun after that third goal but I was going to say did you see when Taylor and KR were like having a laugh on the side of the pitch it was almost like <laughs> yeah. you could see them like Taylor whispering in like god this is easy now isn't it and KR going like yeah like do what you want <laughs> have a laugh because we just kind of cruise control was was on and we were just, we were playing 
football well above Accrington and they just weren't, they didn't seem well, heads had gone or not bothered. It, it did feel like, I kind of I kind of got why their heads went because I felt they did play pretty well for probably collectively 55, yeah. 60 minutes of that game. They were probably, oh, don't, I don't want to say like the better team, but they, they well, I think they were the better team for large large parts <laughs> yeah, of that game. Were. But um, yeah. Yeah. And um, that's that's probably why, yeah, that must hit them hard. I think it's because our second and third goals, especially, they were just clinical bits of football, weren't they? Like counter-attack, um, well, especially the second one. It was just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and you saw their heads drop straight after that. Um, full-time reaction. So, Fawn, as we said, decent, decent period of time to get on the pitch. And then um, obviously had a, a, a strong performance. It's going to be interesting to see whether Ford gets back in the team. Um, obviously, we know that Ford's a really good, versatile footballer and he's got a good delivery and is, is tidy on the ball. But yeah, it, that's going to be an interesting battle. It's great that we've got some competition there now after obviously all the hurrah of the January window. So that's kind of worked out pretty well and it's apt timing, I guess. Um, and as we said, yeah, five goals for Matty Taylor in, in three games. Henry also contributing with a few assists and um, a couple of goals as well, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and there was a comment, wasn't it? John Eastwood back to his best, perhaps? Yeah, I thought it was worthy of, of mention because we, in previous pods, talked about he was making a number of mistakes and we were constantly saying, well, you know, he's in credit, but there's a bit of a trend here. And I think in the last three, four, five games, he's back to the... Simon Eastwood, great reaction shot saves that, to be fair, haven't probably gone anywhere. But that kind of, um, and you summed it up well ages ago with you no know, Benny Hill moments where he'd gone walk about outside the pitch or yeah. he, he messed up on crosses. And I've not seen any of that in the last few games. And I think he's he's firmly where we need him to be as well for this kind of period. Like we can't afford any scrappy goals or anything that's thing. So I think he's worthy of worthy of mention and players you talked about. Really, There's, there was no one that was particularly. Everyone was a seven, eight out of ten. I'd have said, yeah, for sure. Tw- Twenty-eight goals between Haler, Haler, uh, and uh, Tenry. <laughs> That's, That's it. I like it. it yeah. <laughs> um, Thirteen for Henry and fifteen for Taylor, which is brilliant. I like. I hope that that, that keeps being a competition and they get into the into the twenties. Um, Kr was saying we scrapped our way through the game. That's a good kind of honest reflection of it. Found the edge in the final third, which is what we were just saying. Elliot Moore is looking sensational. I think that's building on as we as we you know, we talked about the Ipswich game going into this. And then lots of praise for Sam Long. And there was a lot of pre match chat, wasn't there, about KR saying he puts all his trust in Sam Long. And I think we were thinking, didn't he say he's never let me down? And we were like, oh, but that Burton game, he kind of let <laughs> us down a little bit. But it's it's kind of like Yeah, but it is. It, that was one mistake, and I, I think he, he really had a, a good game yesterday, and didn't see that didn't seem to knock his confidence or his performance or whatever. So, um, right, John. Col- yeah, the final thing, John Coleman's interview. Connor, you pointed this out, didn't you, when he yeah. reflected on the game? I think it was interesting because if he would have been honest, I think what he should have said is, "We we bossed the first half." But after that second goal, it killed us. And then Oxford just dominated large parts of the rest of the game. But he didn't. He just said that we deserve to win and type thing. Which and, was just complete bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I 
when I listened to it, I, I, I really couldn't disagree with what he said about the first half, about how they wasted their opportunities. And if they would have gone in ahead, then you know it perhaps could have been a different game. But the fact, like you said, that he, he then went on to say that we that we bossed Oxford all over the pitch. I was like, well, it's not strictly true, is it? I mean, you did just lose three 0 so you know you can't have bossed us all over the pitch. So I think he was probably yeah. he he probably you know had a couple of glasses of wine after the game and, and came out trying to back his own players a little bit. Oh well, he gave us they, nice praise before the game. I think they do the media pretty quickly after the final kickoff. So I don't think he chinned like three glasses of wine and thought, <laughs> "Sod it, I'm going to say uh-huh. what I think." I, I think he... Um, Maybe. I never know. If, if, if I was a football manager, I probably would with the amount of stress they're under. Well, you could have a few of those um, crappy wines you get with the plastic caps on from the football grounds or something. Um, Maybe I thought he just sort of... just vodka. Yeah, well, it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't smell, does it? And I just thought... He came across as a manager who's like, keeps seeing the same mistakes from his team and was just a bit fed up with it. Yeah, I got yeah. that impression as well, big time. Yeah, especially when he said about how they just can't score, but then they concede. So, you know, I, I can't see that from him as well. But you're right, he was probably pissed. Right. So. Yeah, but yeah. hey, sod it, who cares? Hmm. Okay, right, League One summary and then South End preview and then we're done. So, obviously, two match days in... Saturday and Tuesday not everyone played on Tuesday but Saturday results as we said Rotherham won away at Accrington in the 91st minute maybe that was why Coleman was so pissed off still because you know that's a tough tough one to take that's also annoying for us isn't it didn't really think about that Um, given that we're right back up there now Lincoln's still struggling to get a win they're they're on a really bad run of form now maybe Maps under a bit of pressure there who knows um Coventry won away at Rochdale. Obviously, Coventry are just on some mental run. Let's hope that kind of ends before we get to them. Um, on 2-1 away at Rochdale, yeah. Uh, Southend lost at home to Burton. Burton, I'm guessing, are still in and around it. Can't be too far off us. Sunderland uh, winning 3-0 at home uh, against Bristol Rovers. And then Wickham kind of back on a little bit of form to maintain. I think we all thought they might have kind of dropped out of the playoff picture. Um but they're kind of picking up a few results again now. Uh, Akin Fen were back in, back in the goals. Any any of those Saturday results? I guess I missed the Fleetwood beating Portsmouth one as well. One nil. That's a huge result up there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, that was a massive result for Fleetwood. Yeah, I did see. I did see that if Fleetwood would have won yesterday, they would have won for the first time six games in a row. I think was it ever or something sort of ridiculous. It was a massive, massive thing. But obviously going on to the Tuesday fixtures that they uh, they conceded a 97th minute equaliser against Sunderland which actually which is a huge point for Sunderland if you look at the table it's a massive point that was to uh, to stop Fleetwood catching up with them and it's actually done us a favour in some cases because Fleetwood are just above us so that actually worked out quite well yeah uh, Coventry on the Tuesday night drew with Rotherham one all that was first to be second, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. yeah, that, was, yeah. That, that did either. That didn't do either side any favors, really, did it? No. And um, Pompey got a three-one home win to MK Dons, who seemed to be pretty decent at home. MK, but not great away. But in terms of the table, um, where are we now? So we're one point off Peterborough in sixth. Isn't it mental? 
John, isn't That's... it mental that we were saying the other week about Pitt being nine points? What were we, eight, nine points off Peterborough or something? And then I, can, I don't know why my maths is so bad here. <laughs> but we were a point point off them now after winning all of those games in hand, basically. We just sort of looked, you could even claim like rooted in mid-table <laughs> at, at that at that yeah. point. And, and like you say, now we're we're well up on, on them. And I think us from where we are to the to first are the teams that are genuinely in contention now and before but i think on the last pod i was like actually it's the teams above us when we were in 11th that's still in contention but i think that i think fleetwood fleetwood coventry and rotherham i think are the ones that have got some staying power i think wickham and sunderland to a degree peterborough have some have issues um but no yeah. i think it i think it's definitely stabilizing where we are yeah, I think yeah. I think not first to ninth, that's the uh, that's they're they're the teams that are in a, in and around it and in contention for for playoffs or automatics. I think I think it's still it's still going to be a very tough run in, um, and I don't mean it just because the teams we've got to play in terms of the actual teams positions we are in the league, but I just think it's so tight that you know one one loss could be the be all and end all of it here in terms of being in the playoffs or not. So it's. Uh, yeah. It's there's quite a lot of pressure on the players. I, I have to say, I think I think you know some some players and some teams absolutely thrive under that pressure. But I think there's you know you look at the league table. There's uh, a lot of pressure on the players in the next ten games or whatever there is left, eleven games. I think we've ridden it well though, because those all of those three games were maybe not so much Ipswich, but like Accrington and Wimbledon were must wins, and we've come out of that with an eight nil aggregate scoreline yeah. <laughs> and it's like I think it definitely I honestly think we're one of those teams where if we get a good start and we go in winning at half time it, yeah. it changes everything um, but yeah it's it's huge so yeah one point off Peterborough in sixth two points off Portsmouth even though we know how good a kind of extended run Pompey have been on and um, only and I like this, only seven points off Coventry and Rotherham, who are both on 61 points in first and second. I, I honestly think, how many games have we got left, did we say? 11 or something? 11, isn't it? 12. 11, yeah. I think, oh, 12? Uh, no, it's 11, because <laughs> okay. it's 44 because of Berry, isn't it? Yeah. But um, 11 games left. I reckon if you win eight or nine of them, you've still got a shot of getting promoted automatically. So Yeah, that's, that's still a big ask, though, that is. Oh, come on, we got it. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not losing hope for that. Someone teams are going to bottle it. I'd say fifty percent of the teams above above us are going to bottle it, and it's a case. Yeah, of let's hope we, if we we're don't. one of them. Yeah. yeah, let's hope that we don't. Yeah. If, if we win so, the next oh, oh. three, i.e., Southend, Shrewsbury, and MK, then I think yeah we've got some serious momentum at exactly the right time, and we can afford to have a draw at Wickham and not be rattled at all. Uh, I think this next yeah, three true. games are even more massive. Oh, you're right. Yeah, if we yeah Southend, Shrewsbury, MK, because yeah, then it's Wickham, Pompey, and then Coventry won't be too far away from that. Fleet was after that as well. Oh God, we're never gonna. We we have to accept that Fleetwood's going to be one of those defeats because they're just. Oh, they're our bogey team, aren't they? It's awful. Let's be honest. Southend were our bogey team for a while, and I seriously hope that doesn't happen this season. As in, I know we I know we've already beaten them once, but I certainly hope it doesn't happen on Saturday. Um, uh, what a nice lead yeah. into the South End preview. 
keep you happy, I won't refer to him, his name. I'll just refer to him as the greatest mind in football. Oh, God. <laughs> nice technicality through there. But we've got to, fa- we've got to face so. him down. This is a, a moment of, of reckoning. It feels to me a bit like we spent best part of 10, 12 weeks taking the piss out of him to basically set ourselves up for an absolute cock-up in this game, which we've really just got to win. I mean, I'll, I'll take you through some of the some of the stats and so on, and but it's it's really just a horror show. I mean, they're, they're 21st, rock bottom if you if you put Bolton's points back on, and they've played 20, 33 games as well. They've conceded 82 goals, and they've got the worst goal difference of all the leagues from Premiership, Football League, and the Conference. So their goal difference is minus 47. You have to go into the National oh League God. North to Bradford Park Avenue have a worse goal difference of minus 55. Oh, go on, Bradford Park Avenue. So that's that's the defence, which we obviously know well from our time beating them earlier in the season. Weirdly, their scoring record is not that bad. So they've scored 35 goals, which is the same amount that Bristol Rovers have in 13th. And Shrewsbury have only scored 28 goals, which only leaves Bolton with the lowest, which is 25 goals. So it's not saying they're prolific, but they're not as, they're kind of like a lot of other teams and how many they, they've put away. But mm. form-wise, yeah, they've lost the last five. There's been no obvious signs of any uptick in form throughout the season. Uh, I did have a look at frequent scorelines, just to please you, James, but they've had so many batterings <laughs> that there's quite a few different scorelines. There's like 9% chance, 6% chance of multiple different variations um so it doesn't really work Did, on didn't that. um what was their worst loss in doncaster smash the crap out of them yeah seven one like at seven, home one. yeah so that was a bad one as, as mentioned in the league one preview they lost three two to burton which is not a bad result but i had a quick look at souls sorry greatest minds um analysis after <laughs> the game sick. and he was so almost depressed he just kept saying just making silly mistakes um, and more broadly, that they're, they're just in a shocking shape, and I think for a few seasons they've sort of been a bit of a inevitability and decline. I mean, I had a look at like general fan reaction on Twitter and forums, and there's not even like a mass rage or a mass anger uh, that I could obviously see. You know, for example, if when they put the final score up, there's not hundreds of angry comments afterwards saying this is rubbish, do this, this. It's just kind of like, well, here we go. So I think. I think there's just an inevitability about them. They've had financial challenges, um, didn't pay the players on time in December. The chairman had to personally pay 140k in unpaid wages. They've had a winding up petition dismissed at the end of January, which we all know a lot about from uh, our recent history. Um, mm-hmm. The squad seems oh. to have fallen to pieces. Um, eight, eight players left in January, which included... Tom Hopper, they're one of their main strikers, went to Lincoln. Simon Cox, who was probably the player I knew the best and the pretty reasonable striker for this level, he's left to go to Australia. Theo Robinson, who's a bit of a journeyman striker but can score a few goals, he returned from loan from Colchester and went straight out again. They sold a decent keeper to a young, promising keeper, Nathan Bishop, to Man United. They even retired Liam Ridgewell. So it, it all smacks of cost-cutting no new players came in and uh, oh. Greatest Mind was, wasn't very happy about that. Um, talking about how they're having they to play. They seriously didn't sign anyone. 
No, it, it, it looked like a goalkeeper wow. might have sort of gone in and out or something, but there was no new players, and he, he made a point of talking about that. And they're basically having to play youngsters in a, in a few positions. So it's an absolute horror show, really. So, um, so yeah, on the back of predictions, uh, Ben, in advance, sent his prediction in, which was 3-1 to the Yellows with the greatest mind getting booked. Now, if he gets that right, he gets mm. extra, extra points. But um, so, yeah, James, what do you think? It's worth, we forgot to mention, didn't we, that our Accrington predictions were, for the first time, True, incredibly yeah. accurate. Like, even to the point where Connor was telling us who would score and how many. Um, if I remember correctly, and didn't Matty Taylor, when we beat them 4-0 away, didn't we? And um, Matty Taylor scored after, like, 20 seconds after they had just kicked the ball to him and put him clean through. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the, the younger half just passed it to him. Yeah. 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 So I'm back to what I was saying earlier. I think if we get an early, you know, an early start, we get a couple of goals before half time, I, I'm, I, I think we'll absolutely smash them. But if we don't get that, I think the game's completely different. I'm going to say 3 0 because that's the most sensible home result. The, well, the most consistent home result that we've had. 3 0. Connor? 5. 5 0. Five. Five. Fucking five. It is. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I think if we play the way we did against Wimbledon, we will absolutely shred them. Like genuinely, the players that we have versus them, I think I think we should we should shred them. I'm obviously I'm talking ambitiously because you know, not many people go in and predict a five nil smashing of any team, but I just I just that's it. I think we'll do it. I think we'll. I think we'll. We'll run them out. That over. would be that would be great, wouldn't it? Like goal difference, given how it, it's tight it's important, there, might be a massive thing. It, yeah. I think it will be massively, and obviously being a another home fixture where we don't concede many goals at home and we score quite a few goals at home. So put put two and two together, and based off the the last previous few games and the way that Taylor and Henry are playing, I, you know, I'm going to go with five nil. And if we're going to go for goal scorers, I'm going to go for two for Henry. One for Brannigan <laughs> and one for Taylor and then one from Brown. There you go. And a, pe- and a pepperoni pizza. Preferably. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to agree with Ambitious. Ben on 3-1. On I, think, I think they'll score a, a goal and it'll probably even cause a bit really? of panic. But I don't think it'll be decisive. Um, but I, I'm not sure about the Soul Camel getting booked shout so I'll, <laughs> I'll differentiate myself to claim to give myself more chance of getting this absolutely 100% on from Ben by saying just a 3-1 win with no booking for Sol Campbell <laughs> I mean I, I'm, I, I'm kind of praying that we win 5-0 and I get the goal scorers right just so that we can improve on this week's ridiculously good um, prediction like we just said about, about uh, Accrington so I'm hoping I'm hoping it, it just comes in now I reckon there's probably people listening that are thinking, why are you already talking about goal difference and, and such? Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can see your point. But then on the next breath, my argument would be, well, you know, you've got to score goals to win football matches and I would rather us score a few more and concede less than, than, not, than not worry about it. I'm sure KR's oh, talk, really? talking about it. But do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure KR's saying to the team, look, if you, at the end of the day, those goals will count. 
in terms of at the end of the season when it comes round at some point. So uh, the more you more the score, the, the more you score, the merrier, and it might come into play. You never know. I'd, like I say, I'd much rather see smash teams five nil than one nil. So if it comes yeah. round and it does make a difference, then great. I guess it's first things first, win the game. It'll be funny if we've lost yeah. this one nil. We've had two players sent off next week and we're like, oh, <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about racking up the fucking goal difference. Goal difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's you can't predict the future, so you might as well try and look at it optimistically. Yeah. It's the way I see it. Cool. Fuck it. Right, well we've got into the watershed hour with all the swearing here. Uh John, any anything? Any final comment on South End? I what think colour it, kit are they going to wear? Uh, well, who knows with a hot pink. So, greatest mind might try a uh, a sort of a cheeky third kit wild card manoeuvre. He hasn't got much else to to try. It seems. Oh. Um, I just think I would we, be so devastated if we didn't win this. We've, we've oh, got I won't. I won't. I won't come on the podcast if we don't up. win this. I, I, yeah. I'm I'm taking myself out of the. Uh, podcast limelight if we don't win this game well there's an incentive especially, for, uh... especially, yeah there's, there's an incentive for, there's an incentive for South End <laughs> oh right all um, the Oxford fans will be tweeting South End like oh please score so that prick doesn't have to come on the podcast again <laughs> right uh, on that note I think we can <laughs> we can probably wrap things up Connor thank you for joining and swearing as always. Uh, it keeps it entertaining, doesn't it? Of course. Uh, of course. Maybe you like um relate to some of our more aggressive listeners. And uh, I'm, not, John, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not aggressive. You are so aggro. <laughs> Just need to calm down. I'm, not, uh, I'm passionate about my football team, all right. John, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. Thank you, James. Mild man of response. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also like to say thank you to all the listeners. Uh, we enjoy doing this and we enjoy you listening and enjoying it. And thank you, James. And thank you, James. Oh, yeah. thank you, James. Let me just cancel oh, that outro. Oh, to say. Say. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thanks, James. If you want some, James, I'll give it you.